Amen. Turn with me this morning to Numbers chapter 10. Numbers chapter 10. And I want to challenge you going forward. Uh, listen, it doesn't get any more rich than it did this morning during music. And uh, I think some of us are still hesitant. Uh, we may feel like someone may think we're crazy or charismatics if we raise our hands or something like that. That's all right. If you can help it, help it. But if you can't, have at it. Uh, and we need to be worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. And if we're not obedient to the Lord in worship, then there's, there's, there's no truth. I mean, it's, it's in obedience to the Lord when we come seeing Him in the fullness of who He is as holy God. Then it ought, listen, if, it, if there's a song that sings about the Lord taking the weight of your sin and it does nothing for you, then you may want to check your sin payroll and see who paid for it. And remember that Jesus did, but maybe you've not cashed that check yet. Because when you grasp the depth of your sorrow and the depth of your sin and the depth of no hope, and you see Jesus for who he is, high and lifted up, who was nailed to a cross, shed his blood, buried in a tomb, and risen in the newness of life, and it still not do anything for you, it's time that you meet the Lord. Church, it is time the world hears who Jesus is in our life. You know, in Jamaica, I uh, went several times on several mission trips, and everyone in Jamaica drives with their horn. Now, their hands can be on the steering wheel some, but they drive with their horn. Now, it's not like we use the horn. It literally means get out of my way. There are no lines in the road. They drive on the wrong side of the road anyway, uh, but it's everywhere. It's everywhere, around the corners, over hills, in the dark, it does not matter. They drive with their horn. If the horn breaks, they just park the car. Because literally, you would die in Jamaica without a horn. It literally means get out of the way. This morning, I want to preach on blow the trumpets. Stop tooting your own horn. You see, there's a difference in tooting our own horn and blowing the trumpet of the Lord. The first is to announce, here am I, get out of my way. There's a lot of that. Would you agree? Look at me. I've got a right to complain. I've got rights, and I don't care what anybody else thinks. I just speak the truth. By the way, that is partial scripture, which means a complete falsity. The Bible says to speak the truth in love. If you take great pride in being mean with your word, mean-spirited, and just telling people off and being tough, then you're not right with God. That's just a fact. The truth is, we're not to blow our own horn and announce, here I am, do it my way. But the second that we'll look at today is, blow the trumpets. It literally says, here is the Lord, follow him and his way. This world's full of horn blowers. Not enough trumpet players. Played the trumpet earlier in life. And here in this scripture it says silver trumpets. Mine's a silver trumpet. I didn't want a brass trumpet. Look like everybody else. I got a silver trumpet. And I could play it. 
I can play it pretty well. And it's sitting in its trumpet case up in a closet. It's moved to every house we've moved. It's went with us. But it just sits in the case. And it is no good. It's a museum piece to my past. Back to the old days. The high school days, middle school days. And it doesn't do anything but represent something from the past. It's completely useless as a trumpet if it is not played. The Hebrew children were given clear direction on sounding the trumpets for God. Today we're going to look at how and when we should be sounding the announcement of a holy God a loving Savior, and the impending return of a reigning king. Look in chapter 10. You see, they were to watch the pillar over the tabernacle. In this context, we're, we're getting into uh, not just the law, but now the nuts and bolts of how they are to live and act and react with God and interact with God and how they are to interact with one another and moving forward. How they are to conduct themselves. And one of the things that we know, there was a pillar of a cloud that stood over the tabernacle by day. And a pillar of fire that stood over it by night. And they were to watch that pillar. They were always to have their eyes on God's movement above the tabernacle. Our eyes should always constantly be focused on what is God trying to show me? Where's God? We sang about that this morning. I mean, Philip talked about the, the, our very DNA was spoken into existence. And you know, you can do all those DNA researches and track back and see where you come from. I don't have to pay anybody to know I came through Noah, but originally through Adam. Y'all with me? I know exactly what nationality I come from. I come from the Fertile Crescent out of the Garden of Eden. That is my origin and my ancestry. But yet Adam messed it up, didn't he? When he chose sin over obedience. And here they are having lived and in the bondage of this world that is a picture of the bondage of sin, yet God heard them, set them free, and out there he said, watch the pillar. But also they were to listen for the trumpets. See, it's not just about seeing with our eyes. Jesus even told, blessed are you that see and believe, but blessed even more are those who have not seen, yet they believe. I have seen the work of God in so many ways in my life. I have never seen God in the flesh. And if you tell me you have, well, we'll sit down and talk. But I'm here to tell you I've seen God in so many ways. I've seen God at every birth of a child. It is the most miraculous work to me of God. Even our, our, our doctor that was there. She looked over at me with both my kids and she said, how can anybody deny there's a God? What a miraculous work of God. I've seen God work in saving people's lives who doctors said were terminal. 
I've seen God save marriages that were completely and utterly rejected and downtrodden. I've seen God lift people up out of habits and out of sin. But my friends, the greatest example I've ever seen of God is how God saved my soul. My friends, they were to watch, but they were also to listen. Now look with me, chapter 10, verse 1 of Numbers. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Make thee two trumpets of silver, of a whole piece shall thou make them, that thou mayest use them for the calling of the assembly and for the journeying of the camps. And when they shall blow with them, all the assembly. How much is the assembly to come? How many? All. All the assembly. Well, preacher, I can't. I'll be honest with you. I enjoyed the parade yesterday. I enjoyed the car show. Got a trophy to prove it. But I sure do like not having that stuff on Sunday. Y'all with me? I love seeing y'all, all of us here today. I thank God for what it does. I thank God for what that club has stood for and what it was started for. But my friends, I'm telling you, today he tells us to blow the horn that all of the assembly would be called and that we would assemble ourselves at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. First of all, we ought to be blowing the trumpet together. In a world and in the last year, we have more and more been told, don't gather, don't go to church, don't do... Th-. There are preachers in jail in America today because they have stood together. They have been fined tens of thousands of dollars. Contracts with government have been broken for parking places. Some of the most revered men of faith, as John MacArthur, have been ridiculed and cast down for calling together God's people to worship. Now, I want to ask you one question. Is God God or not? Then if he's God, who are we depending on? And if we believe in life everlasting, then what are we so worried about? Now, I'm not saying be ignorant. I'm not saying just run out there and try to get as germ-infested as you can. Listen, I'm not going to handle snakes. And I'm not going, and you know the people who always say we can do this and we can do that. I've never seen any of them turn up a thing of arsenic. Because you got to put that in its context. He talks about handling the snakes. He also talks about drinking poison. It is a sign that when the enemy came, God would protect them. You see, we take things out of context. But the truth is, we are to gather together. We're to be safe right now. We are to get our shots if we need to. We need to wear a mask at right times. We need to do those things. But more than anything, we need to gather. Number one, just as human beings, first of all, it's inclusive. The church of the living God today ought to be blowing a trumpet that red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. That no matter whether you've got a lot of money or no money, no matter what background you come from, whether you lived here all your life or you just moved here, we must be inclusive. It is a calling of all God's creation to come before him. Listen, even those Hebrews that were outside the mainstream, those who didn't have the biggest friend 
friend circles, those who were not in power. It said all were called to the door of the tabernacle. That literally means there's not one single person you'll meet this week that God has not challenged us to reach out in the inclusivity of the love of God and encourage them to come, to gather. Men, it's a shame that we haven't sold out of those tables for the wild game banquet. We put it off and we think, oh, I meant to do it. It's time, if there's an urgency, and we, listen, if our family, if they said they're terminal, there's only one cure, we would get them to that cure as fast as we can. The world is dying and going to hell around us, and men, we keep talking about men in the home will change the life of the family, change the life of the church, and yet we're not leading by example. We must be inclusive. You say, well, they ain't going to come. You ain't never seen the way they live and the way they talk. Guess who Jesus died for? Redneck, backwood, Bubba Baptist. And Methodists. And Presbyterians. And just full-blown sinner. You know what I've found in my life of ministry? is usually the ones that look the most rejected and least likely to get saved are the ones that display the grace of God the greatest when they do. Because they fully get it. See, some of us, we've walked a good moral life. We've lived good. We've lived like mom and daddy wanted. We've been a good daddy. We've been a good mama. And we've fooled everybody and think we're going to heaven. But the truth is, listen, if we do get saved, we think, well, I was already pretty close, so you know. It's good. Yeah, I got fire insurance. But those people who were dangling and dipping their toe in the very fiery pit of hell in the way they lived, listen, when God saves them, and I, I hesitate to use this word, but it's true because it should be true for everybody. It's a radical salvation. The people that I've seen and been able to lead to the Lord that were come out of a life of a cult, when they get grace instead of works, oh man, they are set free. And they really don't care what people think about them raising their hands in worship. It's inclusive. We ought to be gathering, blowing the trumpets. Hey, come to the men's wild game. Hey, come to the women's ministry breakfast. Hey, come to our youth. Come to our children. Come. But then it's exclusive. You see, they were to call all the assembly. But they didn't call Egyptians or Moabites. You see, the first one we're talking about calling all in the way of sinners unto salvation. But the exclusivity is you can't just join a church and be in the most exclusive group in the world. You can't sign a card. You can't sing in the choir. You... You can't even be ordained and get into this club. It's not a club, it's family. L listen, the mob didn't come up with that whole idea of blood in, blood out. The only difference is the original one was blood in, no way out. And that is through the blood of Jesus Christ, through our faith in him that he gives us to trust him and we confess that he is Lord and Savior of our life. He is the only way and we tell him with our mouth repenting. You can't come and say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus and never say, and I want to tell you, Jesus, I'm a wretched, wretched, broken down sinner that has no hope. 
there's got to be a confession and repentance. You see, the exclusivity is it's a gathering by calling all believers to community. We are built for community. We need each other, church. I don't, I don't see why we've got to come to Sunday school. It, it, listen, number one, because God taught us, teaches us to learn his word. Why we got to do all those other stuff? Why can't we just come for a little while? You're missing the point. It's apples to oranges. Well, you ain't got to. You get to. And the thing is, when a loved one passes away, when there's a struggle in someone's life, when there's a deep-rooted prayer request, who do you go to? Well, you may text the pastor. You may call them. But I love it because when I am included in group text about different people, it's different groups. So it's men in one, and I'll get devotions. Or there's a prayer request for someone, and it's all the deacons. Or it's all the ladies' Sunday school class. And I get tagged in there because I'm a pastor. But it's that small group that comes alongside them, that undergirds them, that nurtures them. Listen to me, young people. You need the youth group more than you think they need you. You say, I'm too cool for that. I'm too important. I'm too busy. I'm too this. I'm telling you, Every young person needs that youth pastor involved in their life. And usually with a youth pastor, and thank God we do, there's a youth pastor's wife. And then there's a pastor. And then there's those volunteers and small group leaders that come along and they take a week of their vacation that you wouldn't give up two hours for and they take a whole week to take a bunch of wild, heathen teenagers to camp. And we always smile when we do it. We say, oh, that's the greatest week until we get home and quiet. We're like, oh, God, thank you. That's over. It's like marine basic training for three months crammed into a week. It is the crucible the whole week long. No sleep, terrible food. I mean, yelling, screaming, the craziness of some of the things. But when you see that child, get it. And that small group and that young person comes and says, can I talk to you? See, it's exclusive. The church must gather. Satan scatters. God gathers. The believers, those who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we must be sounding the trumpet. Come. Come worship. The Samaritan woman said, come see a man. They said, come, the Savior's risen. Listen, they said, come. We must say, come, come, come and gather. We're on the eve of Passion Week, Passion Month. And we're two weeks away from Palm Sunday that recognizes the triumphal entry of Jesus into that city riding on a donkey and then a week later we celebrate the greatest event known to mankind the death, burial and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ we need to blow that trumpet together but then I want you to notice in verse 4 it is blowing the trumpet of leadership I don't know about you Someone posted last night, pray for your pastor that they carry heavy burdens too and they get weighed down. And there are days, there are heavy days. There's days I want to run and hide. You ever have those days? 
Y'all don't? Good. I'm praying for you because it's coming. There's days I just want to quit. Throw my hands up and let somebody else handle it a while. I just want to leave. I just want to go somewhere. Go sit in a deer stand in the middle of June with gnats and mosquitoes rather than deal with what I'm dealing with. Knowing I can't even shoot anything. But the truth is God's called me to lead others to Christ. And here's the deal. He said in verse 4, And if they blow but with one trumpet, now remember there were two trumpets made, but if they blow with one, then the princes, which are heads of the thousands of Israel, shall gather themselves unto thee. It was a sound of the call to leadership. Some of you have been called to lead. Some of you are leading and leading well. But first of all, God has called us to blow the trumpet of leadership in our own homes. Before you can lead anyone else, you've got to be able to lead your house well. To lead your wife, to lead your husband. My grandmother, my mother's mother, I can remember when Becky and I were first dating, which was for quite a while. And my, my grandmother was always, when y'all going to get married? When y'all going to get married? When y'all going to get married? I said, we don't live together. We ain't shacked up. We're going to church. We're serving the Lord. When God tells us to get married, we'll get married. Now leave me alone. I said, we're both saved. And my grandmother and I talked. And she said, you know, your granddaddy wasn't saved when we got married. She said, he was lost. She said, and I would advise against that. She said, but I want to give a testimony of God's goodness. God allowed me to lead my husband to the Lord. Later in life, he was ordained as a deacon. And God used him to raise five children. I don't know how many grandchildren. I got cousins running around. I probably don't even know who they are. But I know that my grandparents lived a life that displayed the love of Christ. And it was because at this point, hear me, the wife led the husband. That whole dictatorship business, that's nowhere in the Bible. It is about leadership, and God did create man first, and he is to lead the wife. But sometimes the wife, you remember that part in sickness and health, for richer, for poorer, all that kind of stuff? That's actually a biblical principle. And we should never throw the biblical principles away. The truth is, men are to lead because that's the way God made it. God made it for human government. He made it for civil government. He made it for church government. That's just a fact. If you don't like it, you take it up with God. Don't shoot the messenger. That's fact. But the truth is, all of us have to lead. By the way, I know a lot of kids that are leaving their homes. Now that's wonderful and a shame. But there are kids who say, Mama, Daddy, I want to go to church. I want to go to Sunday school. All my life in ministry, I have seen what we call bus kids. Michelle, you remember bus kids? Awana kids? I've had church members say, why we got so many on Wednesday night, we can't get them on Sunday? I said, because you ain't doing nothing. 
That crowd on Wednesday night are going out and getting them, but they can't drive themselves when they're eight years old. Well, you want to drive the bus on Sunday? Hey, preacher, I'll talk to you. I'll get back with you on it. My friends, we must be leaders in our home. He called the princes, and it said that they went unto the thousands and gathered themselves unto them. We are to be leaders in our home because our families need to hear about Jesus. We can hear about the Easter Bunny. We can hear about Santa Claus. We can hear about vacation. We can hear about all the good books and Dr. Susan. There's nothing wrong with that stuff. But my friends, at the end of the day, is it more important that your son or your daughter has the highest GPA or knows the Lord in the fullness of who he is? Because Jesus is not going to check your GPA when you come to glory. He's not going to ask where you summa cum laude or just thank the laude. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, if you place your faith, hope, and trust and served him in this life. Our families need to hear about Jesus. In our communities, we must blow the horn. We must blow that trumpet loudly because our friends need to hear about our Savior. You say, well, I ain't got any lost friends. The Bible says come out and be saved. Then you need to make some new friends. He didn't say to wallow in the slop with the hogs, but he said you need to be around them. That we are not to be of the world, but we are to be in it. We're still here, right? This whole idea of moving up, living on a mountain and just living in a commune. God called us to be salt and light. And how can you be salt and light if you're never around darkness or an unsavory flavor? Does you no good to have the best seasonings in the world if you never go to the meat market? We are to be sounding the trumpet in our communities. And church, listen. Right here, spring, man, everybody's upbeat. Wasn't worship good this morning? Now, I like the cold weather because my pretty Grace was up here on the screen earlier. And I like to get out with Gracie for a little while and chase birds. So I like that cold weather. But I kind of like a little warm weather too. I like the change. I like that sun and soaking in the rays. I love all that. And there's a freshness, a newness when spring is sprung and the trees and the flowers begin to bloom. And Bruce will say amen right here. When the grass turns green and starts to grow. I like that too. There's nothing more peaceful for me than to get on a lawnmower, put my headphones on, and just ride. He said, well, you got a son. He works for Bruce. Why don't he cut the grass? I won't let him. I want to cut the grass. That's my time that I get to enjoy. But listen, when I'm out there in the community, when you're out there, you need to be making friends with the people at the gas station. You need to be making friends with the people in the restaurant. Don't be afraid to actually speak to another human being. If you've got to put a mask on, listen, if you have to put a hazmat suit on, you are still called to tell your world that Jesus saves. God didn't give us a don't serve him COVID ticket. 
Because if there's anything we ought to realize, people are still dying and sometimes even faster. They need to hear about Jesus. We need to be leading in our communities. We need to be leading in our country. Don't y'all think our country needs Jesus? We don't need a dose of Jesus. We need a full regiment. Not even a Z-pack. We need a good 90-day, complete, unlimited refills of Jesus. Because, listen, our countrymen need to hear there's hope. The news says there's no hope. Finances, there's no hope. The things of the world and politics and schools and everything else says, oh, we come from monkeys. We just evolved. There is no hope. This is all there is. Colt says there is no hope, that it's just annihilation. It's fatalistic. Everything's going to just end, and this is all there is. Live it up with the whole idea of the Epicureans that's mentioned in Revelation. But I'm here to tell you this is not all there is. Y'all remember back in the 90s, the big push with Southern Baptists to reach people, and we gave out Bibles. You remember what it said on the front of the Bible? Anybody remember they're red, white, and blue? Nobody remembers? There is hope. There. Some of you probably still got some on your bookshelf somewhere. If you've got more Bibles than you need, and they're just, you come up with them somewhere, I challenge you. Before Easter, give them to somebody. Let me tell you a story. Bruce shared this with me the other day. Some of our missions money we give to Gideons because, listen, they ain't nothing no better than giving the Word of God. So the other day he had a 92-year-old gentleman that he's done business with for years, but he lived way out west, Arizona, New Mexico, somewhere. 92 years old. Moved here to be close to a family member over in Metter. And he comes to the shop the other day and says, Hey, can I have some of those Gideon Bibles I'd like to give out? And Bruce gave him a couple. Before the dew had burnt off the next morning nearly, he calls Bruce. He said, I just want to let you know. I met this girl this morning over here. I don't even remember her name. I asked her and got talking with her. And I asked her, did she go to church? And no, and does she know the Lord? And he said, are you saved? She said, what does that mean? He said, well, I'm glad you asked. And he reached in and he got the Gideon Bible. He went through that, that outline of the Roman road, Romans road, and he led her to the Lord and gave her that Bible. Well, thank God for our Gideons. Thank God for you who gives to missions. He said, oh, that wouldn't happen to me. How are you going to know unless you try it? How are you going to know? Listen, our country needs to know there's hope, and there's only hope found in Jesus Christ. And then we need to be leading our world. He tells us very clearly, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. You see, everyone. How much is everyone? Everyone. All of them. I like that, Mike. That's the way I say it. Good country. All of them. You can add some letters, drop some letters, but the fact is, all of them. All of them. 
When my mother says, how much of this lemon pie you want? I say, I want all of it. Jesus looked and came to this earth and the father says, I'm sending you, son. For what? He said, for all of them. For God so loved the world. Everyone needs to hear about Jesus Christ. Now, everybody ain't going. Bad English, true fact. For not everyone that said, Lord, Lord, not everyone that prophesied, not everyone that lived a good moral life, not every grandmama, not every sweet teenager is going to heaven. Only those who are born again. We are to be blowing that trumpet of leadership in our own lives. We ought to be equipping that we go out. One of our own here represented us, represented her family, represented her school well in the pageant other night. And I got on and watched it online. And when they were describing her life and who she was, they talked about being the daughter of Scott and Betsy Lynn and talked about going to PCA. And it talked about how she was active and led worship in her youth group. And her favorite thing were going on missions, trips, and, and serving missions with her youth group. And she plans on going on her first out-of-the-country mission trip this year. Now, this pastor's face was cracking. He was smiling so big. What an example. What an example to all of us that's afraid to do. Listen, have you outgrown the excitement? The world needs to hear. But then, hey, we need to blow the trumpets to go. Look at verse 5. When you blow an alarm, then the camps that lie on the east part shall go forward. When you blow an alarm the second time, then the camps that lie on the south side shall take their journey. They shall blow an alarm for their journeys. You know what a tabernacle is? A tabernacle is not a big edifice with unbelievable spires on top and bell towers and stained glass. You know what a tabernacle is? It's a tent. It, this one was a big tent, but it was a tent. Joey liked that tent that we have for night to shine, except much more extravagant with the way God had things, but it was still a tent. And at any moment when God told them and they blew those trumpet. One side would go. When the second one sounded, the other side would go. They would take down the tabernacle and all those priests would carry the stuff and they would move until the pillar stood still. Listen, we need to be blowing the trumpet to go. In our Sunday school, we ought to be teaching missions. In our children's, and I know we are, we ought to be teaching them to go, teaching them about missions. We always do during vacation Bible school. It's always a mission focus. Tommy, we still got cases of crayons just waiting to go to Guatemala. You see, we need to blow the trumpet to be ready. Now think, if you're on the south side over here and you hear the first trumpet and that side's going, what do you think you're going to do? You're going to go make you another cup of coffee? No! You're going to say, oh, first sound, time to go. 
When I worked for Cobb County government, one afternoon, weather was kind of dark, nasty, and just wasn't no big deal. But all of a sudden, that weird, weird humidity and that green hue fell over the sky. And you just, something right here. And so we hear talk, you know, that there's, go, there's some watches in place and all that. And so we're like, okay, well, I, I hear that trumpet. There's tornado watch. And then about the time we hear, and we didn't have smartphones back in the Stone Age. So it was just through intercoms that would come over and say, you know, everybody needs to seek shelter and get in the courtroom, whatever. But then I was crossing from one building to another, and the siren started. And the tornado siren was on one of our buildings. So, I mean, it was literally like right in your ear. And the wind all of a sudden was blowing probably 20 or 30, and it went to about 60 or 70. I'm not joking. Because as I ran over, it, it literally was coming down Roswell Street already and had dropped down. And as I ran across the side street between the admin building and the state court building, there was a, a person pulled up in their car and literally put it up in park and jumped out to run into the building. And the wind wrapped the door around and slapped the fender with that door, just folded it back like the Hulk had messed with it. Unbelievable. Well, you see, so many times God is giving us warnings. Balaam had warning after warning after warning. And the trumpet sounds, and it's an alarm. Hey, we need to get ready. And then the trumpet sounds, we need to go. You see, we need to be ready. We need to be expectant. We need to be expectant because they knew what, where were they headed. Do you remember? Promised land. Left Egypt, going to the promised land. So they, they knew they were not there yet, right? You ever heard that from the back seat? Now I finally hit on something everybody could agree on. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Listen, those kids are expected of that good time when they get there. They get to the condo. They get to Disney World. They get to Six Flags. They get to that, the zoo. They get to whatever they have been told they're getting to go do. They're expected. Are we expectant of God doing great things? I'm going to tell you, it'd be surprising to you how great worship is if you expect God to show up. We need to blow the trumpet to be willing. Are we willing? Are we willing to do the dirty work to tear down the tent and move it? Are we willing to set things up? Are we willing to lead? Are we willing to lead in Sunday school? Are we leading to, uh, willing to lead in worship by singing in a choir, singing, singing in an ensemble, playing instruments, doing the things God's called us to do? Are we willing? And then we must be intentional. God would tell them where. God would tell them when. So I just, I need to know. I'm, I'm a planner. If you're going to walk according to faith, then you're just going to have to depend on God. You're just going to have to believe He knows more than you do, which, by the way, He does. We are to go. But then I want you to look at verse 7. 
But when the congregation is to be gathered together, you shall blow, but you shall not sound an alarm. So it's a different, it's a different pitch. It may have been on a different octave. You know, there's a different in reveille and taps. There's a different sound in charge and when they lower the flags, when the sun goes down, it's a, it's a different sound. Same instrument. There's a sound of urgency and then there's a sound of a soothing comfort. He said, you'll not sound the alarm when you do it this time. You shall blow. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall blow with the trumpets and they shall be to you for an ordinance forever throughout your generations. Now get this. He was teaching them that they may teach others. You know what the Bible calls that? Discipleship. They were being taught that they may teach others. Listen, they are to listen to learn. God said, listen and I'll teach you something. You ever had an old man tell you that? My dad always say, if you pay attention, I'll learn you something. And all along, I thought he was wrong. We are to blow the trumpet to disciple. To disciple. Listen, listen to learn. Do you know that the Shema that's mentioned in Deuteronomy, he said, hear, O Israel. Listen, O Israel. That word here in the Hebrew literally means listen to obey. We are to listen to learn, and then when we learn, we learn to obey. Based on the word of God, it's a continuing process. It is always a growing process in this life. We are being sanctified. It is a perpetual work until one day we're glorified. We need to learn to obey. I love that little old dog. That was on that screen. But you know what? She does really well. She still wears a shock collar. You understand? Well, that's so mean. He never hunted with a dog. He ain't mean. We're teaching her. Teaching her the right way and the wrong way. And the right way may save her life. I had another and decided he wasn't going to do it. And it... It cost him. We learn to obey, and sometimes it's through the tough lessons. And sometimes God just turns it up. He may just vibrate it a little bit. That's the way the shock collars do. You can turn it down, it'll vibrate. When they're acting all right and they're calm, sometimes that'll work. Or just a little sound, just a little, just a little tone. But then sometimes they, they won't listen real well. You may have to turn that thing up. It goes from, mine does, from one to seven. May have to turn it up about two. I never had a dog that would do any less than a four. Start about four and work my way up. And four sometimes will get her attention and sometimes it don't. But if it don't, she's going to get the good stuff. Because she's going to obey and do what God put her on this earth to do. I'm here to tell you, it is not a pleasant experience when God loves us enough that he gets our attention. If God's trying to get your attention, it's time to wake up. Because listen, when we listen to learn and we learn to obey, then we will teach and to grow others to do the same. 
We'll teach our wife, our children. They'll teach us. We'll teach our class. We'll teach our friends. And then they go and others. That's what discipleship is. I teach them. They teach someone else. And then it expands. That is multiplication, not simple addition. Blow the, blow the trumpet of, to disciple. But I want you to notice this one. This is where a lot of us are right now. We need to blow the trumpet for the fight. He said in verse 9, And if, not when, he said if you go to war in your land against the enemy that oppresseth you, then you shall blow an alarm with the trumpets. It's different than that call a while ago. Now it is an alarm. You shall blow an alarm with the trumpets and you shall be remembered before the Lord your God and you shall be saved from your enemies. Listen, this is good. Listen to me. We need to be blowing an alarm of an impending fight. You're not doing your children any good by always rescuing them every time they get in a tough situation and blame everybody else. I don't know if you've figured it out yet or not. It does not mean you love your kids less to teach them the truth, and that is this world is not fair. Y'all don't agree with me? Y'all think the world's fair? You ever worked for a boss that was ugly and hateful and didn't treat you fair? I pastored churches like that, and I'm not joking. Where things didn't seem right, where some thought that they owned the place because they paid for a pew, bought a stained glass, bought some hymn books. Just like the Old Testament, they didn't buy anything. The Egyptian uh, God made the tabernacle, provided for their food, gave them the clothes by what he gave to the Egyptians and what he gave to them in bondage. They didn't have anything. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. You don't have any rights. We're a self-made millionaire, self-made man. You ain't self-made nothing. You may have been obedient and God blessed you, but you need to understand something. God gave it. God will take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's a warning of an impending fight. We need to teach our young people how to deal with spiritual warfare. I don't know about you. I still deal with that. I still fight it. Listen, this worship, as wonderful as it was this morning, but somewhere between that and that chair and right here, boy, Satan wanted to jump on me, get me distracted, get my mind on anything and everything else. But my friends, I want you to understand that greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. Blow the trumpet because Jesus is Lord. Because get this now. He said you blow it with if there's, there's a battle. But he said when that trumpet is blown... You shall be remembered before the Lord your God. This blowing of the trumpet when we are going to battle is literally a prayer of dependent faith. It's saying, God, I need you. God, we're going into battle. Lord, he said, children, I will remember you. I will go before you. It's a prayer of dependent faith. The sound of the trumpet was literally 
a prayer God would hear. It was obedience. God said do it. They did it. God honored it. But then very quickly, I want you to notice we are to blow the trumpet of fellowship. And we'll go very quickly, so get this. And in the day of your gladness and in your solemn days and in the beginning of your months, you shall blow with the trumpets over your burnt offerings, over the sacrifices, your peace offerings, that they may be to you a memorial before your God. I am the Lord your God. First of all, he said in the day of your gladness and your solemn assemblies. Get this. It is to gather together in fellowship. There are basically eight elements of spiritual worship. There is the reading of scripture. There's prayer. There's tithing. There's preaching. There are many different. There's the Lord's Supper, baptism. Those are true evidences of worship. But I want you to understand when he said, when you come together in your days of gladness, what are some days of gladness? Weddings. I know there's a lot of pretty places. Wherever we go, wherever we enter in, not to a contract, but the covenant of marriage, it is worship. People ask me all the time, will you do this wedding? Not if I can help it. I'd rather do 10 godly funerals than one wedding. That's just iffy. It is serious. I mean, it's life without parole. In the good way. We say, well, if it don't work out, we'll just do something about it. No. That's not what the Bible says. It wasn't what my parents or my grandparents said. No. You better make sure. I said, well, leave me alone. Quit trying to rush it along. When we're ready, we'll do it. And when it was time, we went through the premarital council. I was already preaching. My pastor said, I don't care. You don't know everything. You ever been married? No, sir. Right, sit down. Be quiet. That's why they talked to us back then. And we listened. But we have weddings. That's worship. Showers. We, we have the, the ladies come together and they, they, you know, for children, for marriage. stuff. It's a time of celebration. It's a time of gladness, right? Right? When we moved here, there was like a pack the pantry shower. Dude, we lived for three months off that stuff. That brought great gladness to this pastor's heart. I'll never forget first time pulling up the house we moved in. That woman right there is upstairs running a vacuum cleaner just as wide. She did her six miles of walking in three bedrooms. Just crazy. We went and opened the pantry. There's so many paper towels. If, if we had that today, back last July, we could have provided toilet paper and paper towels for everybody in this church for a month. There were brooms and there were mops and there were special things. There was frozen, I don't know even what it was, cooked and in the refrigerator. It looked like, I was like, did they not move out? I mean, it's everybody, everything, you got to move that for our stuff. No, that's yours. It was a festival of, of gladness. 
Listen, church-wide meals, whether it's at Thanksgiving, Christmas, I missed that so much last year, but we're moving back and we're praying that those things will open up. Our men's wild game is going to be outside and our ladies are planning on doing a, a special time on Mother's Day. We're trying to move forward in that. Those are days of gladness and we ought to celebrate it by encouraging others to come and fellowship. Church needs it. Moments of reflection. He said in verse 10, your solemn days. What a solemn, very sacred. Now, I'm a firm believer when we come into the house of God, it's God's house. We ought to act like it. We ought to respect it. We ought to reverence it. You say, well, this is a gym. I've been in a whole lot worse than being in the house of God. It's where God dwells. Remember now, they met in the tent. It's not about how the building's built. It's about who dwells there. It's about who has authority there. Now, I can promise you, I've been up here at night. Nobody else is here. This place is creepy. It's dark as pitch. And you can't, and it takes them lights forever to come on. And I've got light on my phone. I get down here because I knew I can hit them switches and get me some lights pretty quick. I mean, it's just creepy. You know why? Because God doesn't live here. God came when his children came because he indwells us. This is not where God, God is eternal like Philip said this morning, he is transcendent, but he's imminent as well. He indwells the believer. He doesn't indwell pews and carpet. That's pantheism or panantheism. My friends, moments of reflection is worship. Even in days of funerals, in holidays, when we remember those solemn moments in our life and those landmarks. And then milestones of memories. Like August 9th, 1972, September 23rd, 1989, January 1st, 2012. Those are milestones of memories, anniversary of when I was a pastor, when I was married, on November 4th or September 14th when my children were born. Those special days, we ought to blow the trumpet and celebrate. Celebrate not only our earthly birthday, but our spiritual birthday. Life events, we ought to celebrate together. But then in closing, and probably the most important, so don't check out on me. We're to blow the trumpet to worship. To worship. He said, you do this in the day of gladness and solemn days, the beginning of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings, over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, that they may be to you for a memorial before God. I am the Lord your God. Prayer, scripture reading, preaching, praising, singing, tithing, confession, ordinances of baptism and Lord's Supper, all elements of worship. We must call the church to worship. If you're not worshiping, you're not right. But if you worship, God will get you right. 
Because you can't come before a holy God any way you want to. For he said in Psalm 66, hear me, if you regard iniquity in your heart, he will not hear you. There are many times where they tried to offer before God. We talked about strange fire. Those things that they brought, that was a stench in the nostrils of God. But when we come obedient and we submit to His authority and give ourselves up to Him, then it becomes as a sweet-smelling savor. Remember where we have come from. They were to remember God brought us out of Egypt. Do you remember where God brought you? Remember where He brought you from? You remember being lost? Maybe God needs to remind you. Do you remember how desperate you were? God saved you. God's blessed you with a godly spouse. God's blessed you with a wonderful church. He's given you a job. He's given you a great place to live. Do you remember? Are you worshiping by relying on Him where we are? Right where we are today, are we worshiping Him? God, thank you for where you've got me in my life right now. If you can't, then... Get it right. And then rejoice in where we're going. You ever think about that? I've said it many times, but I said it this morning. This is not all there is. One day, one day, this will be it. This will be it. And here he said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 14. 1 Thessalonians chapter 14. Or chapter 4. Man, ain't 14 in there. Paul wrote a lot, but not that much. In chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, but I would not have you to be ignorant. That's the way he starts it. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which are dead in Christ, sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Hear this. For the Lord himself. He's not going to send an emissary. He's not going to send a diplomat. He's not going to send an ambassador. He's going to do the heavy lifting. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with what? The trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise. My friends, are you sounding the alarm of sin and death? Just as they always say when that tornado comes through, it sounded like a freight train. I'm going to tell you, there's a freight train bearing down on the lives of your friend and your family member of death through sin. Are you sounding the alarm? Are you sounding the announcement that Jesus died for our sin? Are we telling the world that Jesus saves? Hear me. As believers, we are waiting on that trumpet call of departure. That trumpet will sound and nothing will stop the church from meeting their Savior. All warnings, hear me now, all warnings will be over. The church's trumpet, what we've talked about this morning, the church's trumpet will fall silent forevermore trumpet of God will sound and we will be called home. Are you ready for that day? If not, come. Be saved. Come. Surrender your life as a saved 
believer, but living out of the will of God, to baptism, whatever God's calling you to do, be ready. Sound the trumpet. Stand and come. Come to the Lord this morning. Come trust Him.